to the Post Buzzer Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Dyer. And on this April 14th episode of the Post Buzzer Podcast, I will be joined by Chris Marshall, a GHC student at Cartersville. This is a reminder that the Student Spin Podcast is a sister media to the Six Mile Post newspaper located in Rome, Georgia. The views in this podcast do not represent those of the Six Mile Post or Georgia Highlands College. Listen to us on SoundCloud or wherever you listen to your podcast at. Chris, you want to introduce yourself? Hey guys, it's uh, Chris Marshall. Technically second semester here at Georgia Highlands, Carswell, Georgia, born and raised. Cass High School grad, 2018. Big basketball fan, played my whole life pretty much. Same with football, just glad to be here. So now, who's your NBA team? Uh, see, I don't have an NBA team. Like when people ask me that, I can't, I can't give you a definite answer because, like, if I say the Golden State Warriors, you'll be like, oh, bandwagon. I mean, if I say Lakers, you'll say bandwagon, which they had a crappy season anyway. Yeah, and I mean, see, I'm kind of like that too. I follow more players than I do teams. Exactly. Like I have followed Steph Curry since his Davidson days back in early 2000s before he was drafted. Uh, LeBron James, kind of same situation. Uh, I guess one of my like favorite newer teams that I've enjoyed watching would be like the Chicago Bulls with Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan. Oh, uh, okay. Memphis Grizzlies with uh, John Morant and uh, his gang. Or uh, better yet, I guess the up and coming, and I guess what you could say is the threat to the throne, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. Uh, I, I follow all those guys. They're big, more so them themselves and what they do versus team wise. But team they're on, I just support to go along with it. Right, and I mean, I think I like the way that we're moving in the NBA to more gravitating around the center position. Uh, I would agree, especially in today's, like, recent-wise, we've had a lot of big-name centers kind of come out and show what they can do. At one point back in, say, early 2010s and mid-2010s, it was definitely a guard-dominated league with Steph Curry winning his two MVPs, Derrick Rose, Kobe Bryant before he retired, and eventually... As I said, as they passed away not too long ago, uh, LeBron James is kind of that small forward, but can do just about anything type position. Yeah, right. like now we're having Nikola Jokic, uh, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, these big seven-footers basically, and they can just about do it all. So, yeah, it's, it's a crazy time right sure. now. Yeah, we're seeing them actually be able to run an offense through them sometimes and bring the ball up the court like with Jokic exactly. and Embiid and all of them. I think I say personally I believe I'm gonna pull uh, the shot out of the Warriors a little bit I think uh, Draymond Green kind of revolutionized that position fully especially yeah. in today's day and age being a six foot eight six foot nine power forward but hit the whole offense for a Golden State runs through him like people would say oh it's a runs through Curry or runs through one of the guards but not that with him out for a while they were not the same team as they are when he's back in that lineup and playing and running that position because yeah when the Splash Bros first got together with Clay and Steph I was the one kind of talking to people like hey Draymond's probably the unsung hero of some of those Warriors teams that was there oh yeah like I mean, if you take it back to the their first championship they won back in the, the 2014-2015 season yeah like Curry got robbed of the finals MVP for all uh, and he, they gave it to Iguodala for yeah. credit LeBron James like yeah give it credit but LeBron still averaged like 33 points on 45% shooting uh, Steph Curry in my opinion Warriors wise played significantly better than Iguodala even though they say he's not clutch his stat wise if you look at it still insane 
Uh, but Draymond was always that guy that if you needed a guy to just hype your team up, if like they were, say, back then there was the Cavaliers with LeBron, they went on a run, say, where they scored 10 points and the Warriors didn't get one point in that situation, he'd be on there, on his guys, and like, hey, we got to turn this around. Like, he'd be that vocal guy to be like, hey, we got we to gotta change something up. Right. And I think that that's part of the problem that you mentioned earlier was the Lakers having a less than stellar season this year Yeah, was because I think that I didn't like that team going into this season, how it was constructed with Russell Westbrook. I, no hate towards Russell Westbrook. I'm not. I will never hate on him. He's 10 times better than I am, <laughs> 10 times better than I will ever be. Yeah. Great player, Hall of Famer. But the one thing Russell Westbrook does is he's, he's a slasher for my NBA 2K players out there. That's what he is. Like, he's a slasher and assist maker, and he can't do that. He's not a guy to spot up in the corner. He's not a guy to typically pull off a jump shot or anything of that. That's just not his game. Now, yeah. his basketball IQ is not always there, but with the, the recent firing of Frank Vogel on the Lakers, he, Frank Vogel never put Westbrook in a position to where he really probably could be a better player and play better than he did this season. Yeah. And unlike LeBron James-wise, LeBron James, if you look at his championship teams, typically he wasn't, per se, the focal point. And, like, this season, for instance, he was out a good bit, but Anthony Davis was out even more so. Right. So the, pretty much he was the focal point of that team. Now he's... 37 years old on his 19th year still averaging basically 30 points a game 8 or 7 and 7 which for someone of his age is just crazy to think about so I I don't want to put too much on him too much on Westbrook it's just all together that team you didn't have enough shooters you had way too many people trying to go towards the paint and y'all all and the team as itself was a relatively older team just in general right. like you're starting age I think like average age was like 33 34 or like NBA wise it's like 27 28 I think yeah and Typical like in, average in this today's NBA it's fast paced go go exactly. go all the time where you have to have stamina and some of those older guys like exactly. that if you you can have an older guy like LeBron on the court like Throughout the game, but if you have, if everybody on the court that you have is that age, then exactly. like I mean, they had, they had, I think their biggest problem this season was I personally believe they, that they should not have signed uh, Russell Westbrook. I believe at that time they should have tried to go like after John Wall, who hasn't. I mean, he's on the Rockets right now, but he hasn't played a game in basically a year, I think. Yeah, uh, or just somebody who's more of a. See, I was really hoping that they would have tried to make a run at Bradley Beal because my biggest thing with the Lakers going into this season was they needed a person that could shoot the ball from three. Like, they need shooters around LeBron. That's where LeBron kind of flourishes. I would agree. Like, if you you look back on most of his playoff runs, he's always had one or two guys that aren't really like a superstar or something. But if you give them a ball in a corner three, they're going to make it, let's say, 40% of the time because that's what he does. He attracts the attention and he dishes it out. That's how he plays. That's how his game revolves. And the Lakers this year, they just really didn't have that. Like, your probably best shooter was Carmelo Anthony, but even him, he had a better season than he's had recently, but he still wasn't, I guess, his normal self or knockdown shooter. Like yeah, I was about to say, if I'm an NBA team, I don't think I want my focal point to be Carmelo Anthony. And I, and I, was saying, I would agree to that, exactly. Like, I would, I would agree with the trading or signing of Bradley Beal or just really any 
just spot up and shooter guy at that point. Like just get some more key rotation players that are okay with that less of a role and just they're there to make a bucket when they need to make a bucket. Right. And I think that it goes back to Russell Westbrook and LeBron James both being good with the basketball, but if you pair them together, there's only a limited amount of time that both of them can have it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, I mean, once again, Russell Westbrook's a credible basketball player, always will be. But he's – and I think that was kind of a drive back in his OKC days when uh, Kevin Durant was there. Yeah. That they were they were both typically very ball-dominant players. They're neither one – runs around a lot without the ball, trying to get themselves open for a catch-and-shoot type of situation. Maybe Kevin Durant a little bit more so than Russell Westbrook, but they're both let me create my own shot, let me do something with the ball. And when you have LeBron James, and that's that's his game. Like, he's, well, he's made 19 years out of it getting paid a lot of money, and that's his whole game. That's his thing. So, like, kind of just have to pick your poison almost of which person you want to have the ball and then the other's got to kind of deal with the result of that. Right. And I mean, I think a huge part of that was Anthony Davis missing a whole lot of time. Which I, I think that's, that's a conversation that the Lakers are going to have with Anthony Davis. I would definitely agree. I mean, AD's never been prone to getting injuries. Like, I mean, even in his New Orleans days, he's had injuries, but I don't think I don't recall a time when he missed like a majority of a season like two almost two years fully uh like he has with the Lakers on back in his uh, Pelicans days so now that the injury wise for him uh, personally LeBron's a little excused for his injuries the past few years because I mean he's going on mid to late 30s and he's still he's 37 years old now and his usage rate is still just about as high as anybody in the league but and then AD I mean you gotta take some I guess opinions or like advice from LeBron and how he's maintained his body for almost 20 seasons now and still performed at the level he has but even when AD was in the games this year, Anthony Davis was in the games this year, he wasn't his normal self. Like, uh, during the NBA bubble back in the 2019-2020 season, like, and what made him to a lot of people and when the NBA had their top 75 of all time and what probably got him put on it was he was a clutch, great player during that bubble and up until then. Right. But in, during the NBA bubble, if you watch, he... Uh, he turned it more a little bit more of a jump shooter, which has never been really his game. He was in his Pelicans days. He was a back to the goal, body someone down, catch an alley oop here and there, like use his strength basically, and occasionally do a mid range or a three or a catch and shoot type of situation. Whereas now, it's just not the same. It's not the same Anthony Davis when it comes to that. Oh, yeah, and I think that him getting back to playing a traditional center role like he did with the Pelicans will go a long way for him in the long run. I would agree. I, I Just staying on the Lakers, I don't know what their plans are, what they will do this offseason. Obviously, their season got cut short compared to everybody's eyesight because they figured they were going to be the favorites to win out the Western Conference. But I, I don't know if Westbrook is going to stay, if they're going to retool Anthony Davis' contract, LeBron's contract. I don't know, but I definitely agree that some, something's got to change because this was kind of a disappointment for a season for Laker fans and just the NBA in general when it comes to that team. Because, yeah, I think, we, I think this year we've seen with that team how dangerous some, like, super teams, quote-unquote, will be because you don't have role players that 
know their fitted role. I would agree. And uh, if everybody on the team wants to be the star, yeah. then... Like, on that team, I think the brightest spot for that team and this season was obviously LeBron on his passing the second all-time in scoring. He's obviously on his way to the uh, most in all-time scoring. Uh, congrats. But... Uh, was definitely two players that kind of went under the radar a lot, which would be a Malik Monk. Who, yeah. For a lot of that, those games, he was a guy that if Westbrook wasn't doing anything, Anthony Davis was out, and it was just LeBron or whatever the case may be, he was doing his best to try to win some games. And then kind of a definitely didn't expect an undrafted rookie in uh, Austin Reeves. Yeah, when he, he put up the triple-double. I was saying, last game of the season versus the Nuggets. Granted, the Nuggets didn't play their, all their starters, or starters, and they were a little, little down, but, I mean, still put up 30-some-odd points, like 16 rebounds and 10 assists and get the triple-double and the uh, win out of that game. Now, he, he, if given the opportunity, I feel like he could definitely be a great player. Got you. So, and then uh, we've seen here in recent years – these NBA players become more like celebrities with the rise of social media and them actually getting a voice now to be able to say their opinion on things. So, I mean, yeah. Like, and I think that just kind of comes with the times. Like, everyone nowadays, regardless of social media, like, if you're a famous celebrity, like, say, LeBron, or you're just me and you. Like, we have a voice, and social media is kind of just allowing us to let our voices be heard. Like with the rise of TikTok, especially in recent years, you have all these TikTok celebrities that five, six years ago probably wouldn't even been a thing just because of how it changed. I mean, and these athletes, both with NBA players, LeBron definitely being a voice or trying to be a voice for his community back in Ohio, Cleveland, Akron, and more than that, just Jalen Brown, who's one of the per se, most highly decorated just as far as uh, degree-wise. I believe he has his bachelor's and almost his doctorate for the Celtics. And working protest-wise, like, it's a time where they're... One of my favorite quotes, I just gave a speech on this, actually, is uh, LeBron James at one point was told to just shut up and dribble by uh, Laura Ingram, who was a Fox News reporter at the time. Yeah. And the funniest to me part about all of that was, so this was back, I believe, in 2018. LeBron James and NBA, another NBA superstar, Kevin Durant at the time, were uh, just talking. They were, that's all, they were on the, LeBron James's show talking, and that's what they were doing. They were discussing life, family, some political views, and it got brought up about uh, Donald Trump. Yeah. And uh, he didn't, as far as I know, badmouth Donald Trump or anything to that nature, like straight up say, hey, this guy sucks. He said that he did not agree with how Donald Trump handled some things, what he said, how he said it to that nature, which is, to me, fully acceptable in today's world, especially. Like, that's kind of the rights we were given with the First Amendment. We're allowed to be able to say that if we're not just, per se, blatantly attacking someone. And he was told, then in return from Laura Ingram on a Fox News report later that evening or the day after, to the shut up and dribble that, what does a NBA superstar know about politics? He has no background in it, he has none of that. But why does that mean he can't say what he thinks, especially if he's not blatantly attacking someone about something? Like, that's the same as you being able to say what you said. Not saying what you said, you can't say what you said, but 
why does someone else have that writing someone doesn't and i think that goes back to my basic like one of the things that i really like the most about this country is everybody's given a voice on it yeah like i think that's probably one of the best things about it now there's sometimes where it gets they don't get heard or sometimes they try and attack some of the voice and i think ultimately to a certain degree you just have to remember that everyone has a voice and doesn't mean that they're always right just means that they are allowed to say their voice right and i think that's the beauty of it like and it's not just i mean nba athletes there's been nfl wise with the colin kaepernick whole situation now I mean, that how that whole went, personally, I think it could have been handled better, both on his part and on the NFL's part. Right. But definitely, that's still something that, in this country, we are allowed to do, or definitely should be allowed to do, without, per se, too much hate for doing it as well. Which, yeah, that's one that sticks in my mind, was the Colin Kaepernick situation. Because when it comes to player empowerment and voices... Yeah, I mean... Like, I can handle, like, Fox News anchors throwing their, like, negative thoughts at people and all that. But I think what really got under my skin with that one was just the president himself going on live TV (laughs) and saying, fire the son of a bitch. Yeah, like, I mean, the guy at first... Now, I don't know the whole story. I'd have to reread up on the situation. But Colin Kaepernick, obviously, at the time, was probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league. At least a lot of people would probably say. Uh, So, I mean, for a guy to be, per se, at the top of his game, and he probably knew the risk. Like, he probably knew the risk to go behind and be like, look. And at the point when he first did it, he was the only one doing it. He was the only person kneeling when that whole situation happened back then. And he risked it all. Like, at the time, he lost his job, still doesn't have a job, uh, and lost all his sponsorships. And NFL teams, owners, and teams more or less kind of condemned him for doing that. Right. And it's gotten better in recent years. They allow their players to protest peacefully via cleats, sayings on their jerseys, kneeling during the anthem, whatever the case may be which I personally believe they should be allowed to do if it's not hurting, like if it's not physically hurting someone or anything right. like that. Like, people would bring up, oh, it's disrespectful to the national anthem, but to a certain degree, everyone's view on disrespect is different. Like, that's all, per se, opinionated. Like, your opinion on yeah. that could be different than someone else's opinion on that. So it's not... Yeah, it's same. very subjective. Exactly. Thanks. So what's disrespectful to me isn't disrespectful exactly. to you and everything like that. I mean, and then, I mean, to me, the NBA does handled it a little bit better as far as with their protests that they've had, especially in recent years, like I brought up the NBA bubble. Right. But another big thing that happened then that some people kind of just forget was the NBA at, I believe it was Milwaukee, it was a Milwaukee Bucks game. And I forget who they were playing. It was a playoff game, I'm pretty sure, actually back when the NBA restarted back at COVID pandemic in the Disneyland for the NBA bubble, the shooting of Jacob Blake and Wisconsin, Kenosha, Wisconsin, wound up making it to where NBA players during that game sat out. They didn't play. That whole game got postponed along with the rest of the game slated for that night. They got postponed. And until the NBA players and owners and basically the NBA agreed to new terms to kind of allow the players saying, hey, we feel for this. We want to be able to say something. We want to be able to say what we think we're saying, relatively protest. 
the, there wasn't going to be any games. Eventually, they came to an agreement, and they allowed, and everything eventually got sorted out. But it was a tough time because not even not only did the NBA basically shut down for a day and people were like, hey, we just got the season back and now it's going to be canceled again. I would say the MLB, uh, what was it, the WNBA, even the NFL all canceled or postponed their games too, kind of in solidarity with the NBA at that time too. Yeah, like it was something crazy. The WNBA moved to kind of like a bubble, kind of like the NBA did. Yep. So, I mean, I, I think that whether some people view it or not, uh, as a peaceful protest, I think for the black community and just any minority group that you're, let's say, LeBron James, who 99% of people know, whether they love him or hate him, they know him. Yeah. Uh, to like see, say, let's say that's your favorite athlete, to see him up there in protest for something as small as that probably wouldn't really inconvenience him. It per se does nothing to do with him. To go up there and protest and kind of stand in solidarity with you and with what your beliefs are as a black American or a minority, that's kind of crazy as a kid. Like I, I could imagine in the situation very similar to that if I was younger, I'd probably be like, oh my gosh, that's that's crazy, that's awesome. He's risking it all almost to be able to say what he believes and stand up for what he thinks is right. Like That's just kind of crazy. And I mean, yeah, I think that goes back to like being the most American thing to me is seeing these holes that you think are in this country as a whole and yeah. being able to speak out against them and saying, hey, this part of this is not right with me yeah. and I'm going to speak out about it. No, and I, I would agree. Like some athletes in general and just people, they get almost kind of afraid to speak that fact, like to call out wrongdoings. And like not morally wrong always, cause I mean, morality can kind of go back to subject to the two, but just ethically wise, like athletes, people, that shouldn't be something they should be afraid of. If they, if they see something's wrong and they know it's wrong, they should be able to call that out and be like, hey, that's not right. We need to do something about that. Right. And that's why I think there's been protests in the past with sports. Yes. But I think one of the biggest ones to me, the first one that I had seen a whole entire team just kind of get behind was the whole Don and Donald Sterling situation with the Clippers back in yeah, 2016, yeah, 27, that, yeah. somewhere around there, where that whole team, they came out and just basically refused to wear Clippers apparel yep. at all while they were doing warm-ups and anything like that. I was saying, that, heck, that goes even past politics. That's all internal management and general yeah. management and owner-wise. Like, that goes past it all. That kind of just narrows it down a little bit more just to, like, a team-wise that was having issues. And those players just didn't want to be associated with that. And I can kind of understand that. And moving over to the WNBA, too, they've had their own thing with protests. Yeah. Like with the Atlanta Dream, where they had Kelly Leffler, who was running for, I think it was Senate in Georgia or Governor, one of the two. And they they started protesting the owner of their team yep. and they started actively advocating for the person that she was against. <laughs> yeah, the the WNBA in general, like I, I gotta love because they get a lot of hate. And yeah. they, they do. Like don't get me wrong, I, I still prefer the NBA because the, the WNBA is just not as flashy, and I'll, I'll agree to that. Yeah. But the WNBA, any of those players, any of them, those professional athletes, any one of those females could still, almost undoubtedly to me, take me or any high school player and just 
go at it and still win the game right. or in a 1v1 situation or whatever because like people don't realize that if you make a team professionally wise whether it be NFL NBA MLB whatever even if you're a third string or you're on the bench you're there for a reason like you're not making millions hundreds of thousands hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> just to like sit there and do nothing you're there for a reason you showed skill you have skill you have the talent and I think people just kind of forget that and they just kind of like to make the jokes but the WNBA is still just a skilled league maybe not as flashy with highlight dogs and everything else as the NBA but they're still a bunch of just skilled professional players that I, I watched the game actually not too long ago and it was not a bad game I forget who was playing, but like, uh, it was still, uh, I enjoyed watching it because it kind of took it back from the flashiness of the NBA and put it more to a more simpler version, which would be like the footwork behind basketball and like the undertowing, like Tim Duncan, for instance, and his fundamentals with like the backboard shot and everything else. Like, it kind of took it back to that to me. Yeah, see, and that's one thing I do say about that's to me seeing it. That's the difference between women's basketball and men's basketball. Yeah, is men's basketball is a lot more ball handler dominant. Yes, and we're gonna go through. We're gonna be as aggressive as we can. Which I mean, the WNBA and women's basketball is aggressive too in its own way. Yes, but the women's basketball, which I love as a sports fan and as somebody that loves the game of basketball is watching the fundamentals in the women's. Exactly. Like, you want a very, like, true fundamental game of basketball, watch a WNBA game. Like, truly. Yeah. Like, like, you, you want an NBA point guards to go off all the time for huge amounts of points. But even on the local level of Sandra Lynn, our point guard here at Georgia Highlands, she did an average but probably four points a game this season, but she averaged seven, eight assists. Exactly. And those are the point guards I really do like to see where the offense kind of ran through them. Yeah, it's always, cause it's always something you don't really see nowadays. Like, Typically, your point guards are your, I want to say, more points per game average than your other positions on your team. Now, not not always, obviously, but you're, I'd say on average, that's probably what it is because it's still a relatively guard-dominated league. But, like, if you look at, let's say, like, Trey Young, for instance, for the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, love me some Trey Young. My best, one of my best friends. That's his favorite player. Got him right. a jersey this season. Yeah, his Trey Young said, well, hopefully when they're playing game, I believe today. To get yeah, against the Hornets. Yep, I hope they win that. Praying. But uh, Trey Young, for instance, like, nobody really talked about it, but that man is only in his fourth season, I think. And he led the league in total points and total assists. Yeah. And no one's really talking about that. And that's the first time that's been done since Nate Archibald back in the 1970s. Right. And I mean, I think that that's a little bright spot for point guards in today's NBA is where you can find those guys that can get points, but they can also get those assists. Because I think he was one of him and Chris Paul, I think, were the only two that even averaged Tennis a game. I believe. Dante uh, uh, Dante Murray from the Spurs, first time All Star this year. Great player. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, most, I say most improved player potentially as well. Yeah, I'm hoping he wins that most improved one because he uh, really blew me away. Oh, yeah, he's he he's Spurs. probably the main reason, along with Greg Popovich, probably one of the main reasons the Spurs are in the playoffs right now, or at least play it wise for playoffs. Yeah. Uh, but he, I believe, was right at nine something assists a game. Like another guard that tried to do his best to assist, but he only, he averaged low twenties as far as points per game, I believe. But like, you just don't see it often, very often anymore because you have, let's say, Steph Curry. 
Now, this is not saying I believe Steph Curry is a bad pointer because I truly don't believe that, but he's not your, per se, traditional point guard. As a matter of fact, when he was coming out of college, people were saying he should be a shooting guard just yeah. because of how he played the game. Now, you fast forward 10 years basically after his whole draft process and where the Warriors are now, where he's at now. So that two-time MVP, one-time unanimous MVP, multiple-time All-Star, one of the greatest players of all time. Recently uh, just broke Ray Allen's record for most threes ever, and it's right. still going. Probably will, that probably his record will probably hold for, well, as far as I'm concerned, for the eternity of basketball. Yeah. I doubt many people will come close. But, uh, no, like, and he only averages, I think his career averages and assists is like six assists per game or six and a half assists per game, which isn't bad. Like, that's not bad because he's still a 24 and a half per game average for his career uh, as well, which that's not bad stats. But in a time beforehand, like, let's say we go back to early 2000s. Not many guards were your really scoring type of guards. Most of them looked to assist first, and probably if any at all really scored on average over 25 a game. Right. So I guess the only point guard that I really seen where he sco- he was able to score, but he also got assists was Isaiah Thomas with the Pistons back in the 80s. I would agree. I would agree. Like. For one, someone who had the ability to score but still got his assist, would, Isaiah Thomas would probably be there. But if we're, in my opinion, we're just talking straight up best passing point guards of all time. Like, if you're, to me, if your list is anything other than, let's say, Magic Johnson, to me, probably still the greatest point guard of all time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chris Paul's got to be up there. Got to me. You could go in between between John Stockton and uh, Steve Nash. You could go in between them two. They're kind of replicates of each other. Still both amazing in their own right. Or if you want to really throw in somebody, you could do uh, Jason Kidd, who probably when he got drafted and how he played really revolutionized the game for some. Uh, <laughs> white guys and just being flashy with the ball and everything else. Right. That was definitely something new <laughs> back when he first got in there. That was something interesting. But I, and his passing style was definitely definitely uh, unique. And I think that we're now seeing the first shades of Steph Curry's game start to come up into the NBA and see it kind of transform into to Trey Young. I would agree. Like, I mean, most people back when he was at his uh, Oklahoma days back in college, if I remember correctly, yeah, they were calling him the next Steph Curry. Right. And if I remember, he, he took that as a compliment, which you really should as far as that wise. But Trey Young's kind of turned into his own, uh, his own identity. Like, he's not really – I would ever relate him almost to just about anybody because – he scores the ball as well as Steph Curry does. Like, there's no doubt about that. He, Steph Curry's a little bit more of an efficient shooter, but right. Trey Young is still young. He still has time to get a little bit smarter in his shot selection. Uh, but Steph Curry doesn't assist or get assists and like Trey Young does. Yeah, to where I think Trey Young enjoys getting the assists more than yes. Steph does. I mean. This Hawks team probably wouldn't be what it is right now or what it was last year when they went to, I believe, the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks. Last took season. Them, yeah, last season and took them, I believe, six or seven games. Like, they wouldn't have beaten, they would not have got that far if it was not for Trey Young and his mentality and the rest of that team with Clint Capella 
and uh, Kevin Herter, like, they just would not have been the same team, and he's at the forefront of that. Yeah, and I remember going back to that 2017 draft to add Trey Young. Yeah. Luka in it. Hawks fans that I've seen that were – just not liking the Trey Young pick and wanted us to get Luka instead. Oh, I agree. I mean... And me, I wanted to see Trey because of what Atlanta needed at that time. Our best player at that time was Ken Bazemore. That is true. And that's saying a whole lot about where that team was at that <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, no disrespect to Ken Bazemore, but at the time, the Hawks definitely need, they needed something. They definitely needed something. And I think Trey Young, he brought that kind of like sexiness to basketball. To yeah, no, he, gave us I something agree. to kind of be excited about him. Once. Yeah, I mean... Now for Hawks fans, it's almost kind of like I personally haven't been to a Hawks game in a, well ever. If I'm gonna be honest, I'm a, I'm a basketball fan, but may, maybe a little bit of a fraud if I've never been to a professional basketball game yet. <laughs> but uh, nah, it almost seems like every week or every other game or something like you see a Trey Young highlight of him either nutmegging a guy or just something kind of crazy that you just wouldn't see on your everyday basketball game. He, he kind of has brought. I would say he definitely brought basketball back to Atlanta since back in there, let's say, like, I think 2013, 2014-ish era when they had uh, Jeff Teague, Paul Millsap, Al Horford. Or they had those four Cal Corver, yeah, the four All-Stars, yeah. Since, since then, basketball in Atlanta hasn't really been the same, but Trey Young's definitely given us some light. And see, I haven't been to a Hawks game since Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's been a bit, too, yeah. <laughs> Tour, I think it was the year before we wound up getting Trey. Yeah. Like, I was I think that was really the last time the Hawks had a decent playoff run was with Dennis Schroeder and uh, Dwight Howard at the time, I believe. Yeah. I think that was the last time they had a decent playoff run. I mean, they tanked pretty much right after that, if I remember correctly, to get picks and to get Trey Young. Because, yeah, we had that one year of us having Dwight Howard, and yep. then he wound up leaving, I think, to go to the Lakers after that. Uh, I think it was either the Lakers or the 76ers. I forget which. I know he was on the Hornets for a little bit. Yeah. But as he bounced around a little bit for a few seasons till he found his home, won the ring with the Lakers. And I believe he's with the 76ers now? Or is he? No, he was with the no, Lakers, this, with year. The Lakers yeah. this year. Yeah. See, that's one another back. one of those yeah. old guys. That... Yep. yep, speaking of which. So if the team, if that Lakers team was constructed maybe about seven years ago. It was a, like, if this that Lakers team was... Well, we'll even go two, three years ago. We'll just say that even. Yeah. Uh, you get a 33-year-old LeBron or 33, 34-year-old LeBron in his last year in Cleveland. Let's, and I take LeBron his last year in Cleveland and the stats he did in that playoff run with them mm. where he had basically nobody. I take that LeBron almost any over any other player in history almost. That playoff yeah. LeBron that season, I would take him almost everybody else. Yeah, because that's the one where Kyrie was hurt and you had Kevin Love out for a little bit. Yeah. I, and the second best player on that team was Matthew Delvadova. Yeah, like <laughs> LeBron really just did it all at that point to try and push that and team. I mean, he was able to lead that team to the finals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like... And then he almost even worse than that season. We're talking, we go 2017-2018 season where you had uh, Kevin Durant on the Warriors and they made it to the finals. And you have LeBron, you have Tristan Thompson, and I think his second best was... Amon ah, Shumpert. Yeah, I think something <laughs> like that. And he took them to the finals with no Kyrie because Kyrie was on the Celtics that year. Yeah. With no Kyrie, he took them to the finals 
And he just demolished the playoffs, basically just stat after stat after stat to get to that final. And he kept doing that in the finals, but they just were never to Exactly. He didn't have enough help. Exactly. They didn't have enough help. I mean, like LeBron, to me, is not my greatest of all time. But I will never, ever go to a point where I disrespect him and say he's not top five, top three of the greatest of all time. I'll never do that to him because he's definitely put basketball in a situation now to where – I don't want to think of a league almost without him because he's been a part of it just for so long. Right. I think that back to what we've said about the off the court stuff. I think LeBron has been one of the forerunners in that revolutionization of it. Oh, no, I would definitely agree. Like you, you can count his on game and on court antics as being the greatest of all time, but you got to give the man credit. He's been in the league for almost 20 years barely had any bad press as far as like scandals or anything like that like right. maybe some other players have had and to the majority of the public eye they would say he's probably a pretty decent guy you would say but and then you have his whole uh, I promise school that he opened yeah. up which is something that is still just insane to me from a professional athlete to open up a school basically for underprivileged students there in Ohio to give them a chance like that's that's unheard of from almost any type of celebrity or even athlete, especially to do. Right. And I mean, I love those stories of athletes going to give it back to exactly. the community that they grew up in, especially with LeBron and how big of a deal he was in Akron growing oh, up. Yeah. Because from the time that he was 15, 16 years old, he was put in the forefront of the basketball world. There's a tweet that I I love seeing because it kind of makes me laugh. And it's about LeBron. It's back in his high school days because it's footage of him playing back in high school ball back in, uh, I believe it was Akron, Ohio. And uh, the tweet basically goes, imagine doing a hard, long day and you just ended up, ended uh, your class in algebra and you got to go play gym ball with LeBron James. I'm like... (laughs) Yeah, that, that would kind of suck. I mean, after, I mean, I don't know about anybody else. My high school days, after a long, hard day, I did some algebra. I wouldn't want to go up against LeBron in high school. No, I'm, I'm okay. And it's just like, it's crazy because that kind of just puts the perspective on the fact of like, like that's 20 plus years ago, basically. And he's still been at that level since then. Like, it's crazy to me. And now, switching over to the NBA playoffs, who do you think, who do you have coming out of it? So, are we talking one of the finals, or we're just talking who makes it to the finals? Who makes it to the finals? In your opinion. So that that's a tough one. Like, I, play in playoffs right now. Like, I love I love pretty much every team that's in the playoffs right now. I think they all deserve to be there. They all performed relatively well in their own right. Uh, personally, for the Western Conference Finals, I see my Warriors with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson being there, Draymond Green, the whole shebang, going up against uh, Devin Booker, who's another young guy that I love his game. I personally think he reminds me a lot of Kobe Bryant. Definitely just that mentality, that way he acts, how he plays. And Chris Paul, another great point, like true point guard. Uh, and that, that young team, I feel like they're going to be the Western Conference Finals. I feel like it could go either way to who wins that series. I think it's going to go seven games regardless for both teams. Like regardless of who wins, I think it's going to go seven games. And I see, see, I, that's who that's who I have in the West too. Like, and I think that the Warriors have the advantage in that one just for the playoff experience. And I would probably I would agree because I mean the Suns 
only in recent years only have one playoff run. Now they went yeah. the whole way in that playoff run, but they only have one playoff run, and that's it. Like you got Steph Curry, who's a three-time champion, Clay Thompson, three-time champion, Draymond Green, three-time champion. I get all these guys, even some other guys that have this playoff experience. That whether people believe it or not, that that does come in handy. Like when it comes down to like the line and the playoff playoff experience comes in handy, and it just like you can't really replace that. Like your best playoff experience guy is Jay Crowder and Chris Paul on that Phoenix Suns team. Right. Now, Chris Paul, once again, did the playoffs almost every year of his career, but he's only until last year never made it out of, I believe it was the semifinals. semifinals. Like, once again, not to say he's better than that, that's just, Towards he just have, hasn't had that luck to make it out. And sometimes it does come down to luck. Yeah, to where that was a long-running exactly. joke in the NBA community of, well, Chris Paul can't even get past the second exactly. round Exactly. It's like, you can't, but it, he's not the type of guy himself because he's not a scorer to lead a team by himself basically to the finals. That's, he's not LeBron in per se that aspect or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry to a certain degree. Right. Like, he's good when he has another option scoring-wise. And in his Clipper days, he had Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Matt Barnes was there for a little bit, uh, J.J. Redick. Like, he was surrounded, but a lot of those guys got injured. So that ended that playoff run, and then he got injured, I believe, for one of them, so that ended that playoff run. like, sometimes you just, like, injuries suck, but they're a part of it, and that just is how it goes. Right. I mean, in the West, that's who I expect to come out of it. Playing favoritism, I'll probably get my Warriors to come out on top and go to the finals. In the East, uh, that's almost where it gets a little bit trickier for me. Uh, I'm calling the Bucks right now to go to the finals. I don't think they'll have a walk in the park, right? But I, I, I'm calling the Bucks. If I remember correctly, because they're, they're sitting at the three seed, right? Yeah, they're sitting at the three seed right now. If I remember correctly. If seeding lines up correctly, and I'd have to look at the playoff bracket-wise, I'm thinking for the Eastern Conference Finals, it'll be uh, the Bucks and the Nets. But I still think the Bucks will win out again over the Nets because, gotcha. like with with that team, the Nets, you just you just don't have enough. Like you had more firepower last season, and y'all didn't beat the Bucks. Granted, y'all were injured. I'll give you that, but y'all had more firepower last season and still didn't beat them. What's the reasoning behind it this year with less? Now, y'all may not be injured. Maybe. Who knows? Come that time frame. Right. But depending on where it's played, if COVID, uh, mask mandates, vaccine mandates kick back in or anything of that nature, Kyrie Irving won't be able to play, depending. So, like, you just got all this unknown to it and a bunch of young guys other than Kyrie and KD. I believe, obviously, you have Marcus Aldridge. You got a few older guys with playoff experience. You still, overall, are... Your bench is especially young and, I would say, inexperienced in that regard. Right. And, I mean, I think I'm looking forward more to the semifinal matchups in the East. I would I would agree. Than I am because I think the Celtics-Nets matchup in the first round is going to be something. Oh, yeah, that's, that's going to be something. Cause and then the winner of that one is going to wind up playing the Bucks in the second round. Yeah. Whereas in the top of it, I think that you have Miami, who's the top overall seed. Yeah. Going I, up against. Miami definitely was a surprise. Uh, they're going eighth seed. So that'll be either the Hawks or Hornets, whoever win their game yeah. tonight. Uh, no, nah, the Heat definitely kind of surprised me this season because, like, they have no big names. They don't have a single, what I would call, superstar-level player. Like, 
pretty much every other team has. Right. And it's not the only three teams that I could even see coming out of the East are all in that little bottom bracket. Exactly. That is the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Nets. Like, and it's funny we're mentioning that, but like the 76ers, they, they got that second seed, but I have, I love Joel B once again. No harp on him. I just... I don't, I don't see like him. The depth that they have. Exactly. I just don't see them coming out on top. Like, I forget I, who they're playing. I thought that they gave up too much to the Nets in that trade. Yeah. Ben Simmons. To get James Harden. And James Harden hasn't been his same since being traded there. Yeah. Like that that team, I just don't know if they have what it takes to make it out of at least they might like, they might make it out of the first round. I doubt they'll make it out of the second round. Yeah. But that's the East is probably a little bit more exciting to a certain degree because, like with the West, you you kind of barring an upset, which could happen, you almost know what to expect out of right. the West. Like it's probably most likely going to be the Warriors and the Suns, aside from no injuries or anything like that. The Warriors, the thing that they have going for them is in that second round, they're going to wind up playing against the probably Grizzlies, the Grizzlies probably or the, the Grizzlies, Timberwolves. Yeah. Which I think the Grizzlies are going to want to play. I was like, Grizzlies will probably, it'll be a good series. Which is them. I think it was a really good surprise of them being able to come up. Oh, yeah. Like, the Grizzlies, they kind of point out the Hawks here. They kind of copied the how the Hawks did their rebuild a little bit. Right. And it's worked out well for them. Obviously, they're the number two seed. That team with John Morant is something special. And without John Morant, they have still an amazing record. They're still winning, winning team, even without their superstar. So, uh, that team is something else and it's amazing how they got to that point with being as young as they are but kind of similar to a few other teams and like the Suns we were talking about earlier I think that playoff experience is really where it's going to come back to kind of bite them in the butt gotcha and I think in the east I think I have the Celtics coming through because the Celtics and the Bucks is going to be that series to me that really defines the east in the second round just because I like the Celtics defensively. I like defensive teams more than I do offensive teams, especially when it comes to in the playoffs. And I don't think there's been a better team as a whole defensively than the Celtics. Yeah, staying on the Celtics, I mean, heck, they kind of uh, surprised me this year because if you remember this season, they were, I believe it was right at about Christmas time, beginning of the new year, they were bottom tier team. They were barely going to be lucky to get in the play. Yeah, they were time. under 500. Yeah, and then before the like, All-Star break. After basically the new year, starting of the new year, they have the best record since the new year at yeah. every team. And they've just like I guess flipped the switch. Like they've just been in a crazy, incredible team, and it's crazy. That's definitely a team to me that surprised me. One at first that they were sucking, and then two that they turned it around to be a great team. Right. But no, like I give Jason Tatum his respect. Jalen Brown, uh, Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart is a dog on that team. Like that's that's definitely a team to watch in the playoffs. As you say, yeah, I have. Celtics and Warriors meeting in the finals. Celtics and Warriors. That'd be, that would be a matchup. <laughs> and then I, I'm going to love watching Marcus Smart and Steph Curry, that matchup going Yeah. On. I mean, if you're a diehard Warriors fan, you blame Marcus Smart for Steph Curry's recent injury that he just got a sideline to him for the last part of the season. Yeah. Like, I don't think he did it on purpose. I'd be like, – I truly don't. It was just loose ball. Marcus Marks, that guy, to dive on the ball no matter what. Right. It just happened that that injury happened. I don't think that was a part of it. But now that that 
that's definitely going to be interesting to see how Steph Curry responds to that. I think it'll still be a good series regardless. I still think Steph Curry will get his points and get his get his numbers because like that's that's just who he is. He's played against incredible defenders before and still had pretty good games. So I just if it comes down to it and the Celtics versus the Warriors in the finals, I still would probably at that point I think take my Warriors over the Celtics. Just one due to playoff experience. Either way, I think that it could go with that one. Because I really think those are the two best teams in the NBA right now. Oh, I would would agree. I'd say the Warriors would probably have the number one seed or not have lost the second seed at least if it wasn't for Steph Curry injuries, Klay Klay Thompson Thompson being out for over half the season, and Draymond being out for a good portion of the season as well. Right. And then now they have – I think they have James Wiseman back. Uh, I think he got that sound. Oh, he's out for the whole season. Yeah, he's all season. He's the gotcha. playoffs. Last I checked, at least. Yeah. Gotcha. Because he. Because I know he had played a few games. He was in gonna the be back, and he played games in the G League, but then he re-injured it or had some soreness, and I believe it was his knee again. Like now, we're not gonna take a chance. And I get that because he's a young guy with the potential to be a great player. Right. For the Warriors, you don't want to screw that up and have him have like an ACL injury or something like that that could set him back in his career back entirely. Got you. All right. Is there anything you want to add before the end of it? Uh, let's see. We're at the start of the playoffs. They start playoffs start fully on the Saturday. Uh, all I got to say is I hope my Warriors win their first game on Saturday. All right. Well, thank you for joining yes, sir. us. Thank and you for having me. We hope to have you a whole lot more on uh, I'll be back, I'm sure.